Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to walk in your royal identity in Christ and experience God's goodness in every area of your life. I hope you enjoy this message today. And if you're looking for more resources, check out chrisvalentin.com. Uh, I want to talk about the state of our union, the state of our union. And I want to tell you that we've been at, at Bethel We've been going through quite a transition. Of course, all the things that we've already talked about with COVID, but also as we commissioned Eric and Candice and team out to plant the church in Greenville, North Carolina. Am I right? South Carolina is what I said. Just making sure you're paying attention. Hey, at least I got this country right, you know? And uh, there's just been a lot of transition going on in our team. And we've been, we started having these meetings about, I don't know, about four months ago, uh, they turned into, we call them the As One meetings, as we've been meeting together, about 30, 40 of us, the senior leadership team and managers, and talking about this transition. And I've been leading this transition for a while. And we, you know, Bethel Music, Bethel, uh, Bethel Media, Bethel uh, School of the Arts, all the education in Bethel Church are all merging as one. You're, you're going to love it. We're going to roll it out for you soon. But just the spirit of it has been so beautiful. There's been tears and and lots of uh, prophetic declarations, and I think some of the very best meetings I've ever been in have been in the last four months, these meetings. And so well, we started leading, I started leading these meetings just trying to get everyone on one platform and in one website. It just started out as a real practical thing, and the Lord just moved powerfully in the very first meeting. And again, we just, we just saw God just, just moving on our teams, and the, the kind of the, the motto, short motto verses. In the book of Acts twice, it says, and having come to one mind. And we were, it was Holy Spirit orchestrating one mind. It's been so beautiful. Um, and, but, you know, you know when Solomon asked for wisdom? We always talk about how Solomon asked for wisdom and God asked him. The dream is, he has this dream and, and God said to Solomon, I'll give you every, anything you want. And he said, you've given me this nation. You've made me king of this nation, but I don't actually know what I'm doing. And wisdom came out of that. And I've been saying to God the same, like, I don't actually know what we're doing. And I felt like the Lord told me to just get up early and seek him every Thursday morning that we do these as one meetings. And so I've been doing that. And by the way, I'm definitely not the early bird gets the worm guy. So when I say I get up early, it's a sacrifice in Jesus' name. Because I'm like the second mouse gets the cheese, like... Actually, the third mouse kind of gets what's left kind of guy. So I, I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning on Thursdays and just pray, and the meeting's at 10. And so I was doing that last week, just got up, and I just saying, Lord, I, I just actually don't know where we're going, what we're doing. And every week, the Holy Spirit, every Thursday that we do these meetings, the Holy Spirit just moves powerfully. And so I was just getting ready last Thursday. I think it was last Thursday. I was just getting ready, and I just had this picture in my mind of, of uh, a rocket ship. And I'm going to tell you about that story in just a minute. But I, I was preparing for the meeting, and we get to the meeting, and I, and I get up, and I'm going to say, um, let's talk about our transition. But when I got up to say the word transition, the Lord said to me, I said, well, let's talk about our, when I went to say transition, the Lord said, you're not going through a transition, you're going through a metamorphosis. And I had never had that thought. You're not going through a transition, you're going through a metamorphosis. And so I said, well, we're not going through a transition, we're going through a metamorphosis. 
And you know, when that happens, you're like, okay, I'm leading the meeting with 40 leaders in the room. What's next, you know? And I, 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 I just heard myself say, transition is the process of going from one season to another, but a metamorphosis is not about changing seasons, it's about changing us. And I began to just relate the caterpillars attached to the earth, but it must endure the dark season of the cocoon to transition to a butterfly and be attached to the heavens. And I just began to realize, like, we have just, we're just finishing this cocoon season. How many know? When ugly turns beautiful. And I really believe that we are in this metamorphosis. It's not just that, that I'm in a metamorphosis, you're in a metamorphosis individually. I, I feel like we are in a metamorphosis individually. But how many know it's not just that I'm in a metamorphosis, it's that we are. I mean, we are in a metamorphosis. I'm talking about like together, we're in a metamorphosis as a church, as a movement. Okay. In, In Romans chapter 12, verse two, I know you know these verses by heart. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transform there is actually the Greek word where we get our word metamorphosize. Don't be conformed, but be metamorphosized. Are you following me? And how do, we, how do we change? How do we, how do we go through this metamorphosis? We actually think differently. And I'm pointing out that we need to go from caterpillar thinking to butterfly thinking so we can make the metamorphosis. I know, this is good. <laughs> I have a whole bunch of scripture I want to share with you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, if you're, if you're there, um, I'm going to read from the New American Standard, which is really the only anointed Bible. <laughs> I'm just joking. because uh, Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, everybody say, has blessed us. Say this, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Did you get that? Like, he has past tense blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. How many know caterpillar touched to the ground, attached attached to the earth? How many know butterfly attached to the heavens? I'm saying he has already. We're going to go to heaven someday, but how many know you already have access That's the whole message. (laughs) Colossians chapter 3, turn there. Verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died. Come on, say it. You have died. You have past tense died. You are dead. And your life, <laughs> and, uh, sorry, you've died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Therefore, you have been raised up. Therefore, since you have been raised up, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand. Set your mind on the things above. Remember what we just talked about? How do I get metamorphosized? I change the way I think. How many of you know, I don't want to be so heavenly minded, I know earthly good, but I want to be heavenly minded so I am earthly good. We must stop thinking past present and start thinking future present. Are you with me? 
We have to make the transition from earth to heaven thinking to heaven to earth thinking. I'm saying, instead of reacting to what is, how about if we start responding to what should be? How about if we start living out of our butterfly and let go of our caterpillar? Okay, okay, it's going to get better. 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Same Greek word, metamorphosized. And we all, all y'all, we're beholding Christ as in a mirror, and what's happening? You can't become what you haven't seen or heard. But what happens when we behold Christ? We start being transformed from glory, not from sin to glory, from glory to glory. Jesus was up on the mountain of transfiguration. It's in Mark 9. He's on the mount transfiguration. Are you with me? Transfiguration. He was transfigured before the three disciples. The word transfigured is the identical word. Transformed. Jesus was transfigured. He was transformed. He was transfigured. And he started to glow, right? His whole body began to glow. What I'm getting at is he was becoming what you're becoming. We are, (laughs) much better point than your response. You're like, am I supposed to glow? I'm like, I don't know, but. We are called to be transfigured, to be transformed. As we see Christ, as we begin to think, not like the caterpillar, but the butterfly, we begin to be transformed. Listen, we gotta let go of media, we gotta let go of crap, we gotta let go of that kind of thinking, we gotta let go of earthly thinking, and we gotta connect to heaven and start seeing what God sees, start saying what God's saying, start hearing what God's hearing, and when we do that, we become transformed, and that ugly caterpillar that you were, say, you ugly, is gonna put on beautiful. You know that verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I bet you can quote it. If any man be in Christ, he's a... You know what the previous verse says? The previous verse says, Now, therefore... I'm sorry. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one after the flesh. For we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him that way no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away and all things become new. The previous verse is, We therefore now know each other not after the flesh. The next verse, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Paul is saying, stop talking to the caterpillar and people. I don't know you as a caterpillar anymore. I only know you as a butterfly. I only know you as a metamorphosized Christ creature that has never been created like this before. Paul's like, We don't know each other after the flesh anymore. Stop trying to know each other after the caterpillar or even the cocoon and start speaking to one another as a new creation. What would happen if we created a culture of new creation where we start speaking to people's purpose and to people's possibility instead of to their problem? That's where we're going. 
We are learning to recognize each other after our heavenly call, peering into the cocoon of gestation in anticipation of our metamorphosis. I am in the midst of a metamorphosis. I want you to just say it out loud. I, I am in the midst of a metamorphosis. And so are you. That's a good word right there. So now I'm preparing for this meeting that I was telling you about, the As One meeting. I got up early at five. I just want to keep saying that. It just makes me feel like <laughs> such a godly man. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I, I, there's something godly about getting up early because all godly people get up early. And I'm like, I just don't. <laughs> or either that or I start praying around 11 o'clock and stay up till one just to get a jump on the people who get up early. <laughs> By the time they get up, I've already prayed for two hours the night before. And I had this picture in my mind. I don't want to call it a vision, and I'll tell you why. But I had this picture in my mind of a rocket ship taking off. And the reason I don't want to call it a vision is because the night before, I was listening to Elon Musk talk about SpaceX. Now, I love Elon Musk. You know, I, I know he's not a believer, or at least I don't think he is at this moment. But I love him because I'm like, what would it have been like to know Einstein? And we get to, you know, we get to, we get to be alive when the smartest man on the planet who actually gets something done, because there's a whole bunch of smart people who never do anything, they just criticize people who do, <laughs> is alive. And so I like to listen to Elon Musk stuff. I like to look at his videos and listen to his question and answer sessions. And I was doing that the night before, so I had this vision of the rocket ships. I don't know if it was a vision, or maybe it was like Elon Musk pizza, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean, all the prophetic people, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> but it was a little snapshot that, uh, um, I saw in my mind. And, you know, I watched the Apollo 11, uh, the first launch to the moon. I, I watched the first man on the moon. I watched that as a young man, so I, I could have had it in my mind before. Anyway, I saw it as a snapshot in my mind, and I played it as a video. You know, if you, give, if you take a picture in your mind and you just concentrate on it, it kind of becomes a video. So I was getting ready, and I was praying that morning, for, waiting for the As One meeting, and I saw this rocket ship. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool, and then I just kind of began to use my imagination and connect with Holy Spirit and just watch the rocket ship. And I remember as a little boy watching this, or young man, I think I was 12 or 14, and I watched this rocket ship take off. And, uh, and I remember uh, about the rocket ship. So I got on Google, uh, YouTube actually, and I, and I found you know, several uh, uh, videos of the launch. And I was just remembering, oh yeah, I remember seeing that. And it was in black and white, most of them were in black and white. And, and there was you know, a bunch of scientists and engineers in the room and they launched this, this, you know, the, this uh, moon rocket and, and uh, the rocket goes up and it goes out of the atmosphere. And when it goes out of the atmosphere, the thrusters fall off and this big piece of it falls off and it ends up in the stratosphere. And I Googled a bunch of stuff about it because Google's always accurate. And I learned that those thrusters are full of fuel, and it takes all of that, it takes a lot of energy to get out of gravity, out of the atmosphere. But once they leave the atmosphere, once they get out of the atmosphere and they're in the stratosphere, the thrusters fall off because they have no purpose and they're out of fuel, and they're actually heavy. And so that whole rocket part falls off, and then it goes into the stratosphere. And I started thinking about this, and I was like, well, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, you're shedding the thrusters. You're shedding 
the thrusters. And, um, and so when I came to the meeting, I, I, I just had this idea. And I, so I, I got a, a short version of the Apollo uh, 11 uh, you know, liftoff, and I had it playing on the screens when the team came in. I didn't even tell them why. I just thought it was cool. You know, by the time they sat down, it was going like 10, 9, 8. And I was like, yeah. And we watched it, you know, we watched the video, and it was kind of cool. It kind of glitched a bunch, but it was kind of cool. And, uh, and when, it was, when, it, when it was over, when the, you know, the launch, the, the, it was, uh, the video was done, I said to the team, what's our moon and what has to fall off? And I began to just prophesy to our teams, there are things that got us here that need to fall off. We don't need them anymore. You know, in, uh, in Hebrews 12, it says that we, are to, that, that we are to leave the encumbrances and the sins which so easily entangle us. It isn't just sins. Did you notice it's also the encumbrances? Like, there are encum- you, are you with me? That's such a good point. There, there, there are encumbrances that, that actually we get connected to, they're, if, they're, if you will, they're thrusters with no feel. They're things that we used in a season that actually we don't need anymore because we're leaving the atmosphere and we're going into the stratosphere and what got us here won't actually be useful in the future. And first of all, I want to say to you that a lot of you are holding on to things, including me, by the way. This is not like a judgment. But a lot of you are holding on to things. People watching by Bethel TV, by YouTube, you're holding on to things, and there's no, there is no energy in it anymore. And you're like, I don't know what's going on, but this isn't working. And you feel like you're failing. And I'm like, you're not failing. Let go of the thrusters. You don't need them anymore. It might be a relationship that you had. It's like you're trying to reconnect. The person doesn't want to reconnect. Or it might be a job that you're just like, it got you here. And you're like, I don't, just don't feel any life in this anymore. It might be a ministry. Just like, but you're just getting your, you're getting your identity from a former season. And I'm saying, let go of it and start thinking future present instead of past present. Okay, I'm going to call the second part of this message, Bethel has gone to the birds. It'll it'll connect. It's just going to take a minute. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, Paul says this, Since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen in what God made, so that those, speaking of unbelievers, are without excuse. Let me just explain simply, because we didn't get to read the whole chapter together. Paul's talking about unbelievers. And he said, actually... God's invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature are actually displayed in creation. So if you look at creation as an atheist, you have no excuse to not believe in God. Because creation, science, will actually lead you to the creator. And so Paul says, you actually have no excuse to not believe in God. Because you can just look around at creation and go, there had to be a God. But what I love is that Paul says... God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen in what God made. And what I'm getting at is how many know creation is a voice from God? And sometimes it's a very impersonal voice, like, oh, there's got to be a God. Look at the mountains, look at the trees, look at the rivers, right? It's impersonal, but you go like, there's got to be a God, this is so amazing. Or you look at biology and you, go all, you, know, you look at the micro and you go, there's got to be a God, look at this. But sometimes it's really personal. 
like the Lord actually sends different kinds of creatures into your life or different kinds of creation experiences, and you go, oh, that's actually, the Lord's actually talking to me, and that's actually a voice. Uh, David talks about it thunders, and when God's thundering, he's talking about, he's looking at the actual, uh, evidently about weather, and he's going, and I hear the voice of God in the weather. God's spoken to us for many years through birds. <laughs> no, I'm streaming right now. I wonder how this is going to go. <laughs> Around 1998, I think it was, it might have been 1997. I don't have any of these dates exactly. I didn't research them. I just did it by memory, which is very dangerous. <laughs> Bob Jones, the prophet Bob Jones came here, and he prophesied that there would be three eagles' nests in the nation, that God would build three eagles' nests where prophets and prophetesses and prophetic people would be trained, equipped, and deployed. And they'd actually be deployed into the nations to bring cultural change through king, by bringing the kingdom. And he prophesied that, that Bethel Church would be the first of three. And that this particular eagle's nest would specifically have governmental authority in the whole area of, politi- of the political world. And so we began to um, just see the eagle, if you will, as kind of a mascot. In fact, the bookstore used to be called the Eagle's Nest Bookstore because of Bob Jones' prophetic word. We started a school of the prophets, Dan O. McCollum and I started a school of prophets two years later, just because we want to honor the prophetic word about raising up prophets and prophetesses, and not just prophetic people, but also the office of prophet and prophetess. prophetess. And so uh, that was really beautiful, and I feel like that's still part of our DNA. It's still in who we are. But a few years later, and I think it might have been around 2004, we had this really strange bird called a roadrunner. Here we go. People are like, these people are weird. And this roadrunner showed up. We used to pray um, where, where the cafeteria is, uh, where those plate glass windows were. We would pray in that room, and this roadrunner would show up with a lizard in its mouth. Yes? Now, for some of you, I know that stories get exaggerated, word of mouth, they get bigger. I was there for this entire story. That roadrunner was actually more faithful than the intercessors. <laughs> As a matter of fact, at first it was a joke. We're like, did you see the roadrunner? Yeah, yeah, he was there at a prayer meeting. And then it got to be like, something weird's going on. Because literally, I remember one time, I remember one time, I remember we prayed every week, and this is like, went on for like eight months. I remember one time praying, and the roadrunner didn't show up, and I'm like, Holy Ghost must not be here. <laughs> there must be a Judas among us. <laughs> that roadrunner sh- showed up, I mean, very consistently, and if we changed, if we changed uh, buildings, or we changed rooms, I should say, the roadrunner would end up at that room. One day, the maintenance guys were cleaning, and they had those uh, doors in that hallway open and they, to, the, to outside, and the roadrunner got in, got inside, and then got disoriented, and the, the, uh, the janitor was trying to scoot him back out the door, because he was kind of all disoriented. Anyway, he flew into a window and died. <laughs> There's a reason why I didn't share that one last. <laughs> and out of that, the Lord showed us that if we didn't take the message of the kingdom and let it get out of the four walls of the church that this movement would die. At the same time, we inherited Frontline Ministries, which was Bob Johnson's evangelist, 
evangelist, evangelistic ministry. Can't even say evangelist ministry. And we took all our buses and we really just, you know, this is, this is when, when evangelism was really launched out of this church. And also Bethel Media was launched at the same time. It was all about getting the message outside of our church. I think around 2010, I know these, someone's going to come up and correct all these dates. I'm probably off by years. I had a vision of an owl. And an owl started visiting our house at night. You know what they do? Woo! In case you didn't know. <laughs> and, I, and the Lord started talking to me about the fact that the owl is wise, the owl is nocturnal, sees through the darkness, and knows who's who. And the Lord said, the mascot of this season is not the eagle, but it's the owl, because I'm going to take people, I'm going to take the prophetic gift that's on this house, and I'm going to make it nocturnal. I'm going to make it live in darkness. I'm going to send you to the darkest places of the planet, and you're going to bring the kingdom of God into places no one ever get into. And you're going to teach people the wisdom of God, and they're going to know who's who in the darkness. And you're going to look at people who look evil, and you're going to find gold in them. Because the, because the owl knows who's who, because the owl can see through the darkness. The first time I shared that publicly was in uh, a worship school. And, um, and while I was sharing, Jen Johnson came up with all of her energy. This is beautiful. And she said, uh, oh, i got to tell you the story. And she said, one of our guys was, I think, coming to the worship school and there was a baby owl in the road. And I forget if he picked it up or whatever Jim was just telling, but I forgot already. And the Lord told him that the owl is in the road. The owl is the road to where we were going. That was beautiful. About a, a few months ago, outside of our kitchen window, Kathy's like, oh, come here, look at this, look at this. And I run to the kitchen window, and there's a peacock in our neighbor's yard doesn't come in our yard because our dog is there and our dog is not a Christian. <laughs> not a Christian dog. We don't want him to be converted right now. We want him to like, you know, anyway. And I saw the peacock and I'm like, that's really beautiful. And I think I've seen him in videos and maybe in a, maybe in a zoo before, but I'd never in the wild. And I was watching this peacock, we were both watching this peacock, and this peacock started shaking, and as he shook, this beautiful display of feathers fanned out in front of us, and they had all these eyes on the feathers. I was like, wow, that's amazing. And that peacock just kept showing up day after day. And, um, and I felt like the Lord said to me, the peacock is the mascot for this new era coming out of the cocoon. And I was like, what does that mean? And the Lord said, it's about the glory of the Lord. I'm going to display my glory. It's about beauty from ashes. It's about the glory of the Lord. And, I, and, the, eye, and the eyes of the peacock. And I'm, you know, a bunch of my team. So I, I was sharing this on a, on a Thursday during uh, one of our uh, school ministry meetings about this peacock. And one of the team came up and said, Last week, there was a boy dancing on the stage during the healing room ministry, like a five-year-old boy. And as he danced, 
a peacock feather fell from the roof. Yeah, yeah I know, guys. I, you can't make this stuff up. And so they said, we thought, you know, someone dropped it or whatever. So they went back, and they, they was, they were on, it was on video. So they went back and looked, and it actually fell from the ceiling, a peacock feather. And they're like, the peacock feather. And they get all excited about this peacock feather that fell. It's a large one right in front of the boy, young, the young boy. And they look over, and the artist was painting a peacock. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Bethel Church. The whole church has gone to the birds. And I begin to think about this peacock, like what does this have to do with God? What does this have to do with this prophetic word? You know, you know God's most beautiful stuff he's ever made, no one's ever seen? Like, you know all the universes? God makes all the universes. You know, we're just starting to see some of them now, right? Just, just the ones that are close. And we see this amazing beauty. And God made all of that. And why did he do it? Like, no one's going to see most of it. I don't know. <laughs> because he likes beauty. Kathy likes flowers. Like, I, I, I don't see a purpose in them. You can't eat them. She plants them. She plants them. I'm like, plant vegetables, man. Plant something we can eat. And one day I was looking out our, our front yard, and she'd planted all these flowers in, in different colors. There's all these, like, amazing, beautiful flowers. And I said to the Lord, because I was reading uh, Romans 1, I said to the Lord, Lord, why did you make flowers, like, in different colors? Like, why? And I'm waiting for, like, this heavy revy, right? And he goes, I think they're pretty. And I think they're pretty. Like, God actually likes beauty. Isaiah 60, arise and shine. Come on, you can almost quote this. For your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you, has risen upon you. Behold, deep darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the people, but the Lord will rise upon you. His glory, his glory his glory. <laughs> it's kind of how the peacock. By the way, ladies, I want, to, I want you to notice, I forgot this piece. Like, all the beautiful ones, they're males. <laughs> we didn't get it in humanity, but we got the peacock. And you know when they... Spread those feathers, you know what they're doing? They're attracting the female. Like the Lord is releasing a fathering movement that is bringing us back to family, and it's all about beauty. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, nations will come to your light, kings to the brightness of your rising. Look all around, they all come. Your sons will come from afar. Your daughters will be carried in arms. Then your heart will thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea is turned to you. Get this, the wealth of nations will come to you. Let me give you a couple more verses. Verse 10, foreigners will build up your walls and their kings will minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, struck you, but in my favor I have compassion on you. Your gates will be opened continually. They will not be shut day or night, so that the wealth of nations might come to you. The kings are leading their procession. Oh, wait, I'm not done. 
Verse 15, whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through you, I will make you an everlasting pride, a joy from generation to generation. You will suck the milk of nations. You will suck the breasts of kings. Then you will know that I, the Lord, am the Savior and your Redeemer, the mighty one, Jacob. Instead of bronze, I'm going to give you gold. Instead of iron, I will bring you silver. Instead of wood, I will give you bronze. Instead of stones, I will give you iron. I will make peace your administrators. And righteousness will be your overseers. Listen to this. Violence will not be heard in your land, nor devastation or destruction within your borders. But you will call your walls salvation, and your gates will be called praise. No longer will you have the sun for the light by day, nor the brightness will the moon give you for light. But you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and your God for your glory. Your sun, your sun will no longer set, nor will your moon wane. For you will have the Lord as an everlasting light, and the days of your mourning are over. Then all of your people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, the works of my hand, and I will be glorified. The smallest one will be be called a clan. The least will be called a mighty nation, and I'm the Lord will hasten this time. That's a good word. You know what the next chapter is? Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon you. For the Lord has anointed you to preach the good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, speak release to captives, freedom to prisoners, the favorable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to grant all those who mourn and grant them a garland instead of ashes, a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. The word garland is the word beauty. I'm going to give you beauty for ashes, a mantle of praise for a spirit of heaviness, that you might be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Next verse says, and then they shall go and rebuild the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations and rebuild ruined cities. I'd like to point out that your ugly is the cocoon of your beauty. Your ashes are the seeds of your greatness. Your earthly failures are fertilizing your heavenly calling. And your meager means is God's merger to a miracle. Think the boy's lunch. I'm a few minutes past, but I just want to share one more verse. Isaiah 62 says, for Zion's sake. Remember, you got Isaiah 60, arise and shine. Isaiah 61, I'm going to anoint you. Isaiah 62, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet. Until her brightness goes forth like righteousness, her salvation like a torch that is burning. Nations will see your righteousness and all the kings, your glory. And you will be called by a new name, Christians, that the mouth of the Lord shall designate. You will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of God. No longer will you be said, will be said of you, forsaken, nor your land no longer will be called desolate, but you will be called, my delight is in her, and you will be married to the Lord. I want to point out that the Lord is marrying a trophy wife. That's you. He's got a trophy wife. He doesn't have a woman, an old hag. He ain't marrying the caterpillar ladies. He's marrying the butterfly. You didn't even get that. You came out of the cocoon. Sometimes faith is manifest through what you forget. Uh, You want a verse? Forgetting what lies behind and pressing forward to the upward call in Christ Jesus. I'm saying it's time to forget the cocoon. It's time to begin to think 
like the butterfly. Get attached to heavenly things. Remember, you died and your life is now in Christ. Therefore, stop thinking about the earthly things and start thinking about the heavenly things. I want to be so heavenly minded, I'm actually some earthly good. Would you stand? I want you to say this out loud. I'm in the middle of a metamorphosis. I'm changing from ugly to beautiful. From weak to strong. From dumb to very smart. I'm in this place so that I can display the glory of the Lord. Kings are going to come to see what's happening in my life. Because the glory of the Lord is in me, on me, and working through me. And everyone wants to know how to get this for themselves. I bless the kings who are coming with their wealth to see the glory of the Lord rise in the nations. I am not afraid of all the movements that are trying to destroy the earth because I'm part of a kingly, godly move of God who will turn ugly into beautiful. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvelleton.com. Have an awesome day.